Hello and welcome to the European Hoops podcast. We are a Sportitas presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. We recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague. My name is André and this is my co-host Diogo Valente. Ready to recap the impact of the first half of this doubleheader week, Diogo? Yes, sir. Let's get to it. A reminder that uh, the recap of round 32 comes out on Monday when we will be painting the full picture of the impact of this doubleheader week on the regular season standings. We are recording this episode Thursday ahead of the start of round 32 games and we will be breaking down what uh, happened in each of the nine games and uh, how the standings currently look like with only three games left in the EuroLeague regular season. Let's uh, flip things around from what we usually do it and let's start by looking at the standings because that's all that matters right now and uh, we start at the top where we have uh, Olympiacos and Real Madrid tied in first place with 22 wins and 9 losses Barcelona trails one win behind them while Monaco is fourth two wins behind the the top teams in the tiebreakers between the top three teams Olympiacos have advantage in all the scenarios in a three-team tie two-team tie with either of the Spanish teams Barcelona has a tie-break advantage over Real Madrid Monaco visits Bayern in a game that uh, they must win and bounced back after the loss they just had in Kaunas to stay ahead of uh, the fifth place and to guarantee home court advantage for the postseason. They don't have the tie-break advantage against Fenerbahce, but uh, they end the season with two high-profile matchups welcoming Partizan and visiting Efes after their visit to, to Bayern. Barcelona has a must-win game at home today against Alba. Then they proceed to visit Milano and they end the season at home against Valencia. Real will be visiting tomorrow Partizan on a high-level game. They welcome Bayern and they end the season with a hard road game in Tel Aviv against Maccabi. Olympiacos plays the Greek classic against Paratinaikos tomorrow. They visit Red Star and they end the season at home against Basconia. I see Olympiacos locking the, the first spot in the standings by going 3-0 or 2-1 the rest of the regular season. I think that Real will go 2-1 losing one of the games either with Partizan or Maccabi on the road, while I expect Barcelona to go 3-0 or to end the, the, the season 2-1 in the remaining games. This means that uh, with Barcelona having the tie-break advantage over uh, Monaco, that uh, these three teams would uh, probably be locking the, the top three in the standings, with Olympiacos at the top, and with Barcelona having the tie-break advantage over Real, having a very good chance to end in second place, but both Spanish teams will be finishing like in second and third place. Do you agree with my assessments or you would expect a different outcome at the top, Do you? No, I, I agree with you. I think Olympiacos, um, between them and Real Madrid, I think they have a, a easier schedule left. So I think they will secure the first seed. And between Real and Barcelona, it's kind of tough because Barcelona, I think, also has an easier schedule than Real Madrid. And maybe Real Madrid slips uh, on a game. So Barcelona has a chance here to, to get to that second place. But uh, I think Olympiacos should be one. I would probably go Barcelona two and Real three, I think. Yeah. 
I I stand in the by, just by your side, and I also think that we will have Olympiacos, Barcelona, Real. But like you pointed out, the, between both Spanish teams, it's close. Barcelona has a slightly, theoretically, uh, easier schedule the rest of the way, but um, Real Madrid has one is one game ahead, but Barcelona has the tiebreak advantage, so it's sort of a coin flip between two Spanish teams. But they should end in second and third place. Regarding the fight for home court advantage, we have three teams in play: Monaco, Fenerbahce, and Maccabi. Monaco has a huge advantage by being two wins ahead of the, the fifth place where uh, both, both Fenerbahce and Maccabi are tied and with only three rounds to go uh, having two win advantage it's, it's very big for Monaco's chances to, to make it with home court advantage to the postseason they have a tie-break advantage over Maccabi but not against Fenerbahce with Monaco being very likely to win at least one out of their last three games I think we just need to look at Fenerbahce here because uh, it wouldn't it will take away the chances for Maccabi to to get home court advantage Fenerbahce's schedule isn't an easy one tomorrow they will be going to Vitoria where they will play against Basconia they proceed to receive Efes at home and uh, they end the season by visiting Red Star while they have the ability to win all of these three matchups if I would play the odds I would say that the two wins and one loss is a more likely scenario the fact that uh, the team isn't performing super well at the moment moment and uh, that Monaco should win at least one game makes it extremely likely for me that Monaco will be able to lock this fourth seed having this two win advantage at the moment if Fenerbahce manages to go three and oh Monaco besides winning the the most win game that they have against Bayern they will need to win one of their home games against Partizan or their road game against FS I will say it's about a 90% chance that we see Monaco locking home court advantage do you agree or you think Fenerbahce has a chance here no no I agree I think Monaco is going to secure that fourth seed and I think Fenerbahce should hope that they can secure the fifth seed because in a matchup like that between Monaco and Fenerbahce on the first round, I think even without home court advantage, I think Fenerbahce has a favorable matchup there. I just think uh, they match up pretty well with Monaco and they shouldn't have many problems beating them. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think it's the best matchup they can get. Uh, and if they drop the six, I would probably give the edge to Real Madrid, which we think it's going to be third. And in Maccabi Monaco, I think Monaco has a better chance of beating Maccabi than Fenerbahce. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this 4, 5, and 6 seed unfold. But uh, I think Monaco will for sure secure number 4. And then it's just a, a toss-up between Fenerbahce and Maccabi. Yeah, and I think that you would agree that we would also favor Barcelona against Fenerbahce at the moment. Yeah, probably. Uh, I just said Real Madrid because... Yeah, yeah, think, I, I, yeah. I, I understood. It's just that I think but yeah, either, either, of the either Spanish, Spanish teams. teams uh, so Fenerbahce really needs to hang on to the fifth place. So let's look exactly at that. Fenerbahce and Maccabi are tied in fifth at the moment with 18 wins and, uh, and uh, 13 losses records. And they are two wins ahead of the, the eighth place. So their odds to, to stay in the playoff are high at the moment. As we just spoke about Fenerbahce, they should win enough games to, to lock their playoff spot. And I think that the same applies for, for Maccabi. The, they don't have an easy schedule ahead, though. So if Fenerbahce managed to go 3-0 and or 2-1 and uh, and and the rest of the way, the Fenerbahce has a good chance to, to lock this fifth spot. Maccabi will be welcoming Milano, visiting Zalgiris and welcoming Real Madrid. They are playing at a very high level. 
uh, Maccabi is, and uh, I would be surprised if they don't win enough games to to what the very least secure, secure a playoff spot. Do you think that they can win enough? They have uh, a tie-break disadvantage with uh, Fenerbahce. Do you think that with this schedule, they receive at home Milano and Real Madrid, two strong teams, and they go to Kaunas to play against Algiris? Let's assume best-case scenario for Maccabi and that Fenerbahce goes 2-1. and one. I think that's, that would be a reasonable assumption to make. Do you think that uh, Maccabi can go 3-0 and oh with this schedule? Honestly, I think they can. Um, I think they beat Milan. Um, and then... In the Zalgiris game, I think it's going to depend on how Zalgiris does uh, this week on the second game. The, they play Valencia. Valencia is almost out of uh, the playoffs and Zalgiris has a better chance. So probably Zalgiris gets that win. So that means Zalgiris will still be in the fight when they face Maccabi and in Kaunas. That's a very tough game. But I do think Maccabi is clearly the better team. So I think they have a chance to go 3-0. The most likely scenario is about two and one, because that Countess game is very tricky. But I, I do think they can win all three for sure. Yeah, I think that they can win all three. I just don't think that they will win all three because it's three hard games. Even the Milan one at home, I will favor Maccabi. But uh, I think that the odds don't play in their favor to to go three and all the rest of the way. But while there is still a chance for Maccabi to finish in fifth place, I think that uh, looking to the schedule. The most likely scenario is that we will see Fenerbahce and ending up in the, the fifth place and uh, Maccabi uh, trailing to, to six or holding on to, to the sixth place. Let's uh, move on to the, the playoff battles with uh, two spots potentially up for grabs. We will break them down. We have Partizan with 17 wins and 14 losses in seventh place. Basconia with 16 wins and 15 losses in eighth place, tied with Zalgiris, that is ninth. And FS trailing one win behind with a record of 15 wins and 16 losses. Then we have Three teams tied for 10th place with 14 wins and 17 losses. Already two wins below eight. And uh, with only eight rounds to go, they have an almost impossible scenario ahead. And uh, sooner or later, I think it's very likely that uh, these teams will be officially eliminated and uh, be out of the, the playoff contention. These teams are Milano. Red Star and Valencia. But let's focus on the, the four teams that uh, have a better shot to, to make it to the playoffs and to end up in seven and eight places. Partizan will be receiving Real Madrid. They will be visiting Monaco and they will end the season at home against the Paratinaikos. I think there is a chance that they go 2-1 here, although it is possible that this ends up turning into a 1-2 with two very hard games, especially with them receiving Real and visiting Monaco. I just think that after losing to Barcelona on this round, we will recap that game, uh, the odds will tell me that they probably will manage to, to get one win in the games against Real and against Monaco. They are hard ones and I think that uh, it is possible that they end up going one and two and then they might be in trouble. We will, we will get to that. Are you more or less confident than I am on Partizan? I think I'm a bit less confident. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for them to get one of these games. Um, like like we, we predicted, um, I really thought that they would have a better chance beating um, Barcelona than Real Madrid, and they lost uh, that game to Barcelona. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to get this win uh, against Real. Uh, I just think it's a, a bad matchup for them. So I'm still expecting a Real Madrid win, so we'll see how that goes. And in the game in Monaco, 
that's a tricky one too because Monaco lost in the in the game in Belgrade and they didn't really perform. Mike James wasn't good. They didn't have Jordan Lloyd. So I think this could be a revenge game for Monaco, especially if if it's uh, if it means securing the four the four seed with this win, which I think it will. So I think this kind of a a game where I lean Monaco. Uh, they they for sure win against Panathinaikos. I have zero doubts about that. But I think one and two is more the more likely scenario, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you regarding the Monaco game. I'm looking mostly at the Real Madrid game. Partizan has a home-and-home, home, this doubleheader, while Real Madrid will be traveling after playing yesterday in uh, in Madrid. Um, I think that uh, it's a very close game, uh, although Real Madrid has the best team. I think this can be a very close game with Partizan playing at home and Real Madrid having to travel in between games. And I think that this is their big chance to to give a step and be in a very comfortable position to lock the playoffs. Otherwise, if they go one and two, that is a, a, a real possibility. They end up with 18 wins and we will see what where that will leave them. Basconia is currently in eighth place. They will be receiving Fenerbahce. They will be receiving Aswell and they end the season on the road against Olympiacos. In a game where Olympiacos might be picking to play against Efes or Basconi in the first round of the playoffs. That's an interesting layer to add to this. Although I'm not expecting Olympiacos to lose on purpose, it's always something to, to have into consideration because there is a chance that Olympiacos will have the first, first place locked getting to the last round and uh, they might be having to make a business decision between whom they will want to play on the on the first round of the playoffs. I lean to a 1-2 and two here, but uh, I see that a 2-1 and one is also on the cards for them. This means that they will end the season with 17 or 18 wins for Basconia. Are we on the same page on this one? We will favor Fenerbahce and Olympiacos against Basconia, even with Fenerbahce not playing so well. They they probably want to, on the road, bounce back from their loss on this round. Do you think differently? And Do you think Basconia will do better than that? I think I will favor Basconia, honestly. Because... They have been struggling a lot without Wilbekin and Pierre as well, uh, especially offensively. And we know Basconia can get hot like no other team. So this is this is a this could be a very tough game for Fenerbahce if they don't guard the three well. They they're gonna be in for a tough night. Uh, I I do think Fenerbahce is the favorite. Of course, they they are they have the better roster. They are the better team, but. Uh, I think I'm leaning Basconia though. Okay, so. that will that will be a very important win for for them if they can yeah. do that, and a big step for them to to eventually lock the the eighth place. Tell me something: if you were on the Olympiacos front office, you had the first place locked, and uh, you were facing the decision of uh, of having to play FS Basconia or Zalgiris in the first round of the playoffs, you had to speak with Prasdokos about what to do on that game. What will you be advising him to do? <laughs> I think I would pref- if I'm Olympiacos, I would prefer to face Zalgiris out of those three teams. Um, and then between Efes and Basconia, that's a that's a tough choice because even though I think Efes is the better team, I think Basconia in a playoff scenario is very very dangerous um, because it's a five game series. I think Olympiacos would be would be fine, so I think they they would rather face Basconia. But if it was like a one and done thing, I would not yeah. want to face Basconia at all. 
because yeah. they can get hot any given night and that could be super dangerous. But between them and FSG, I would rather face Basconi in the playoffs, for sure. So you would advise him to play the reserves and rest Zankov for that game? <laughs> I mean, I don't like that, but it would probably be for the better. So maybe. Uh, no, I think they would play and maybe manage the minutes and depending on how the game is going. Yeah, but I, I'm just resting I, them overall. I just, I just don't like them. Yeah, I'm joking. I don't think that that's on <laughs> Olympiacos DNA. That's not what they have been doing the whole season, and they for sure are not afraid of anyone, and they will be playing to win, no matter what. Let's uh, look into Zalgiris. They receive Valencia, Maccabi, and visit Bayern Munich. They have a somewhat favorable cal- uh, schedule the rest of the way. I think that they have a real shot to go 3-0 here. They can build a good momentum heading into the playoffs if they manage to do so after winning on this round at home against Monaco. But obviously I can see them losing one of these games for Valencia or Maccabi, or eventually even both of them. Then they will be out of the, the, the race. Am I too confident in thinking that they can go 3-0 here? Maybe or not, and... You know, I'm not the, the biggest fan uh, of this Zagreus team, but I do agree that they can go 3-0. Uh, I think Maccabi, yeah, we've talked about this. Uh, Zagiris, because of the, the need of getting wins and Maccabi will, is probably already safe in the playoffs, um, I think Zagiris could win that game, being at home. But I, I do think Maccabi is the better team. So it that's the game. I'm going to be looking at the other two. I think Zagreus will get the win uh, quite comfortably. But against Maccabi, it's going to be tough. Now, one of the keys here is that uh, Zagiris has an 11-4 record at home and Maccabi a 5-11 record on the road. Yeah, but I think that game will depend on if Maccabi needs this win to, to get the fifth or sixth seed, whatever it is at the time. I think Maccabi is going to win this game. I just think that If it's a must-win for both teams, uh, I would favor Maccabi, even on the road. In Kaunas, the fans should be cheering for Maccabi on the, the second hand of this uh, doubleheader. <laughs> That's what you are saying. But this will mean that uh, Zalgiris has a chance to win to end the regular season with 19 wins or 18 wins if they go 3-0 or 2-1 the, the rest of the way. Finally, FS. They welcome Virtus, visit Fenerbahce, and welcome Monaco. I think that a two and one here is uh, suitable for for the schedule that they have ahead. But they also have the ability to go three and zero. What do you think? I think they have the ability to go three and zero. The messed up part here is that three and zero might not be enough. Yeah. Because they don't play either Basconia or Zalgiris in on these three games, so. It's not just on them. They are depending on other teams now, and that's never good. So even if they go 3-0, that, that might not be enough. I think they, they will go 3-0 uh, because Fenerbahce has really been struggling. Uh, even though I think Fenerbahce, if they have their, their whole team healthy, I think Fenerbahce has a, a good matchup against Efesh. But if Wilbekin is still not playing and Pierre as well, I think it's going to be very tough for them to beat them. So I think FH will go 3-0 here. So, But like I said, it might not be enough because they were playing around the whole season <laughs> and now it's coming back to bite them. 
and there is another layer to it. Ephes only has a tiebreak advantage against Zalgiris. They don't have tiebreak advantage with Basconia or with Partizan. So mm-hmm. with Partizan, it will be almost impossible for them to catch them up. Even if Partizan wins only one game and and uh, FS goes three, you know, it means that uh, FS don't have the tiebreak advantage against Partizan, so they will end up below them. If uh, Basconia goes two and one, and uh, FS goes three, you know, they also don't have the tiebreak advantage against uh, Basconia. They do have against Salgiris, but we just saw that Salgiris has a somewhat favorable schedule, so things are looking iffy for the for FS the, to yeah. to be able to make it. But they can only do their part, and they can only win these games. If they go two and one, it probably it's not enough, and they are out of the playoffs. Even if they are perfect and go three and one, they need the Zalgiris to lose one game, Basconi to lose two games, and with Partizan, it's almost impossible. Partizan, on the other hand, has head-to-head advantage with all of these teams. That means that even if they go one and two here, it will require a perfect three and zero from Basconi and from Zalgiris to get them out of the playoffs and. Uh, I think that that makes it very unlikely, and I think Partizan has the the better odds of all of these teams to to make it into the playoffs. Basconia has the head-to-head advantage over Zalgiris. That means that Zalgiris needs to win one more game than Mas- than Basconia the rest of the way to, to make it. As thing currently stands. And taking into account all of these scenarios that we just break down, I rank in order of having the best chance to make it to the playoffs between these four teams and not taking into account the, the final seeding. I'm not meaning that this is seven, eight, nine, and 10 places. Just the best chance to, to make it to the playoffs, either in seven or eight place. I have Partizan in first, Zalgiris in second, in third, Basconia, and in fourth, Ephes. Do you agree with my rank- ranking or you will have something different than me? No, I think I agree. I think I agree. Okay. Uh, I'm just. We have to to start a a petition for Euroleague to to start a playing so that FH can get in, get in. Imagine if that that was a thing. <laughs> that will be uh, that will be something to 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 watch. And if there was a playing, I think they would get in. Other than that, I think they're done. <laughs> the only thing I think I would that would be fair in that scenario is that the the team that has the best seeding gets to pick their opponent because it's so unfair if like a team that was trailing behind or had injuries or that ends up in the eighth place and the the first seed needs to to play against a, like a top team and have a very hard first round they they should be allowed to pick who they they play against <laughs> so I I don't want to see Olympiakos I as I already mentioned that here <laughs> not because I don't think Olympiakos can win I think they can of course they can they they are a great team one of the best in the, in Europe I just think it will be unfair after the the amazing season that they just had but. Uh, let's move on to the games and let's start recapping the action of the first hand of this uh, last doubleheader week of the season. We start in Tel Aviv, where Maccabi received and blown up Virtus 111 to 80. The top performance of this game was Lorenzo Brown with 14 points, 3 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals. Wade Baldwin had 14-3-7, 2 steals and 1 block, while Ojale had 16-3-2 and 1 steal. But let's stop right here on the, the top performance of the game. Before we break down this game, we have debated on this podcast and agreed that Lorenzo Brown and Wade are indeed the best backcourt of the EuroLeague that I think we stand in the same position about that. But the conversation has evolved and uh, the conversation now is about they being the best duo in the EuroLeague. And there, I personally think I have a strong lean to Satoransky and Mirotic. What are your thoughts and who do you think is the best duo in the competition? I think throughout this year, it has been Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo Brown. 
Sure. If you're asking me <laughs> who are the two best players on one team, I will agree that it's Saransky and Miritich. But the duo that has been playing at the highest level, I think it's Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo Brown, for sure. You had a very clever answer, and uh, I praise you for that. But uh, who is the best duo in the Euro League? <laughs> okay, so you want you want me to give you like a top three? Sure, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> okay, uh, I would probably go. No, no, I, I have to. It has to be a top five. <laughs> I'll do a top okay. five. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> okay, so Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo Brown are in there. I'll figure out the order after I yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's alright. I understand. <laughs> Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo Brown are in there. Uh, Musa and Walter Tavares are in there. Uh, Saransky and Miritich for sure. I want to go. Is it based on this season or just period? So, for example, a player like Bielica that is a high-level player but uh, is not performing at all. I think we discounted performance on this season and like quality of the players. I think what uh, we expect them to be able to do in the postseason included. Okay, because the duo I'm thinking of is uh, Walkup and Vezenkov. Sure. Uh, I, maybe Thomas Walkup doesn't belong like in this top tier of players, but he, he is having an amazing season and I think he is a very good player. So, and they are the one seed, so I think they deserve this consideration. So I have, who did I have? I have, have Wade, Baldwin and Lo- Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo, Misic and Will Clyburn, Musa, Valta Tavarch, the Miratic and Saransky, and yeah, and Vezenkov and Thomas Olga. Yeah, you have five the you hadn't mentioned before, Misic and Will Kleiber. Uh, okay, so uh, I was thinking of them and then I, I forgot. Okay. So I'm judging by your words, I'm assuming that in fifth place we will have Walkup and Vezenkov. Yeah. Just because of Walkup being slightly below on the tier uh, as a player, although he's having an incredible season and he really took a step forward in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But uh, who do you hold you rank in fourth place then? Okay, in fourth, probably Lorenzo and Wade. Haha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and who would you rank in third place? Ooh, this is hard. Yeah, it is extremely hard because when you mentioned uh, Moose, because I hadn't made the top five for this, I was just because for yeah. me my my top duo is Saturansky and Mirotic, but when you mentioned Moose and Tavares, I thought, oh wow, I have those two ahead of uh, Lorenzo and Wade as well because the impact that they have on the game, it's it's massive. So, do do you agree that Mirotic and Sat will be number one? I'm gonna be honest. It's on hard. my list, probably not. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So let's go. Who do you have in third place? <laughs> but you're not going to like it. Uh, oh, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> uh, I probably have uh, Musa and Walter Tavard, three. Okay. Uh, Saransky and Mirtis, two. And okay. Misic and Will Clyburn, one. Just uh, just because I think, I think Will Clyburn is the best player in EuroLeague overall. So that kind of that has uh, some weight on on my decision. And Misic is the back-to-back MVP of the Final Four. So yeah, we will have a chance to to deep dive later on the the top players of the Euro League. So let's not go too long yeah. on this here. But it's uh, just it's just the only thing is that FS is not performing as a team. But I think these mm-hmm. two players they're just on another level. So in terms of quality, I agree with you. I 
think that uh, Tavares is a tricky one to, to judge here because yeah. it's a very different player and he impacts the game in a very different way. In terms of impact, he's up there with all of them. In terms of what he's able to do, it's a, it's slightly different because uh, he doesn't have the self-creation parts of the, the equation here. I think that that puts Moose and, and Tavares in third place. I, I agree with you there. Between the other two, I lean Sato and Mirotic because I think both of them are able to impact the game at a greater level. Although I do understand the the concept that uh, Misic and Clyburn might be better pure offensive players and be able to de- to have the ball to the side games on their hand at a higher level than the other two, so it can go both ways. I I, I see it, I see it there. I just I think I lean Mirotic and Satoransky, but. It's close. It's it's yeah. close between them. Like if you ask me, like in terms of fit, I think Saransky and Mirotic is a better fit than mm-hmm. Misic and Clyburn. But just the two better players. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just think they get they got the edge on that. Yeah, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. But let's focus on this game where Maccabi blown up Virtus 111-80. This was a fantastic performance by by Maccabi. They dominated the game since the start. Their ball sharing and off-ball movement destroyed Virtus' game plan. They were running simple offensive actions, playing pick and roll at such a high level and making good reads all game long. And they really were able to find easy baskets and dominate this game. In the end of the game, uh, the new League record for most assists in a game with 30, 38 stands out for the, the home team. Maccabi is playing at an uh, incredible level, aren't they, you? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, a couple, not a couple games ago, like a month ago, um, my problem with Maccabi was their health court offense because I felt like it was a lot of one-on-one and the ball wasn't moving a lot. They weren't hitting threes. They were kind of struggling. But as of late, like they are playing at such an elite level. They are running, they are sharing the ball. They're playing very good defense. Uh, like you said, the pick and roll offense was amazing. Uh, they made great reads, the nice cuts. So it was very good to see. Um, and to have those two guards leading them, it, it's a luxury in the EuroLeague level. Uh, this could be a very dangerous playoff team, absolutely. Uh, the bench is showing up. Uh, Sorkin and Di Bartolomeu coming off the bench. Even Hilliard, Hilliard played a, a very good game shooting the ball. So they are just on another level right now. Their physical availability was too much for Virtus to handle. And they dominated this game from start to finish. Very good, very good performance by them. Besides that, duo, Bonzi Colson is also playing at a very high level. So they have a very good trio there. And they yeah. have a bunch of pieces that uh, their athleticism, their en- high energy on Sorkin, on the Bartolomeu, on even Martin is playing very well for them as well. They just have very a bunch of pieces that are coming together in the right moment and they are picking the right moment. And although I probably wouldn't favor them against any of the, f- the top four teams, I think that they can provide us a very exciting first-round series and especially their games at home probably will be very high-level games. Let's continue and let's look at the Paratinaikos that received and beat at Bayern 86-76. The MVP of the game was Papagiannis with 24-11-1 in three blocks. Paris Lee had 10-2-11 and two steals. While the newcomer Shitham with 11-7-1 and one block was the best for the, the visiting team. Bayern looked like they came into this game looking to get their first win ever in Greece by starting this game strong, scoring 27 points in the first quarter. 
but Paratinaikos answered with 27 points of their own in the second quarter, but mostly they were able to step up defensively and again make uh, Bayern offense look uh, pretty sloppy, allowing only 27 points on the quarters two and three. The highlight of this game was a perfect night from Papagiannis with 10 and 10 field goals, 3 and 3 from the three point line, and 1 and 1 from the free throw, ending the game with a 14 PER. What a night by Papagiannis, wasn't it, Yogi? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, he took, inv- he took advantage of all the injuries that Bayern Munich had. Uh, no Rubit, no Hunter. So they really had no answers for Papa Jenny's inside. Or outside, he went 3 and 3 from the three point line on this night. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, but uh, 24 and 11, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. even on the boards, they, they couldn't match him. They, they had no size uh, advantage with him. So. For Bayern, it just sucks because even with Lucic being back from injury, he hasn't been very consistent and that cost them a lot because they need him offensively. And then Cassius Winston was out, Yaramas was out. So it's just so many injuries for them. But Panathinaikos gets a good win here at home. But it's getting to a point where it's not even fun anymore for them. Uh, I saw something uh, saying that this was a, a record for the the lowest amount of, of fans they had uh, in a EuroLeague home game. So, uh, I, me at least, I've always seen Panathinaikos as a, this enormous club with an incredible fan base. So, it's kind of sad that that's happening with them right now. So, I hope that next year they can turn it around and get those fans back in the arena because EuroLeague needs them and basketball needs them. So, we need to see Panathinaikos going up again. But this was a good win for them. Absolutely, and these are the type of wins that they need to, to achieve that. The EuroLeague is better with a good Paratinacos, Olympiacos, uh, Red Star, Partizan, and Zalgiris. Those teams are part of what makes the EuroLeague so special, and we want to see them thriving. Let's move on to Turkey, where F has received the red-hot Milano, but was able to dominate this game. They won 89-69. The MVP of the game was Will Clyburn, with 16-3-2 and 5 steals. Elijah Bryan had 12-7-3, 2 steals and 1 block. While Timoteo Wakabarot had 19-6-2 and one steal and one block and was the best for Milano. This was a great performance by Efes, where the, the, the defense was the key to lock this crucial victory to stay alive in the playoff hunt. Milano simply couldn't find any solutions against the aggressiveness that Efes showed on this game and their own playoff aspirations are now practically gone. As our resident Efes expert, you <laughs> break this game down to our listen, listeners. Did Efes survival extinct kickoff and uh, they managed to to snap this win in a very significant way uh, i think so because if you look at the numbers the they finally did what we've been saying for months now yeah uh, they moved the ball they, they had 19 assists and they shot way more threes than they are used to they shot 31 threes and obviously made 14 because they have that type of talent so i just don't know why they, they don't do it uh, more often but to me, the key here, uh, even more than these these stats, it was the way they defended Napier because they had Rodrigue Bobois on him and he did an amazing job. Um, he clearly uh, got Napier out of the game and Milano's offensive production obviously disappeared once that happened because he controls their, their whole offense. So great job by Bobois. I mean, he played really amazing defense on him. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And then from from then they just got stops and started running, and 
that's what they need to do every time against every team. So I really enjoyed uh, this game for Efes. They they played very good. So if they do these these things consistently, we already know what can happen because we know the talent they have and we know the ability they have. So it's just a matter of keeping it up. So maybe they go 3-0 the rest of these games. And like we've talked about, it may not be enough, but this is what they have to do if they really want to contend again. But it might be too late. But regardless, great job by them on this game. Yeah, exactly. For Efes, it's just a matter of uh, they, this is coming on time and if they can keep it up. Efes has a positive net rating of plus 2.6. They have a, an excellent offensive rating of 118.4. Their defense has been lacking and the pace that they have been playing the game have been one of the biggest problems. And on this game, they have it all on display and they show their full ability and, and capacity. They for sure can beat anyone, and uh, they have been beating the top teams. They just have been struggling in the games that they, they need to win. So let's see if this is too late for them. It looks like that, but let's see what uh, the rest of the regular season of the EuroLeague has reserved for us. Let's move on to Vitoria, where Basconia received and beated Alba 93-87, a high-scoring game. The MVP of the game was Kotsar with 23-10-3, two steals and two blocks. Darius Thompson had 21-4-11, four steals and one block in a game that uh, they joined the top five of the highest duo PER in the history of the EuroLeague for one game. And uh, Wetzel was the best for Alba with 13-8-2, one steal and two blocks. Alba intensity in the first half allowed them to go into halftime with a four-point lead on a very high-paced game. Basconi was able to play as a team in the second half, playing with high intensity and energy, and they locked this win behind big performances of Thompson and Kotsar. If we thought that Papagiani's performance with a 14 PER was a lock for MVP of the round, Kotsar's impressive performance got himself a 14 PER and made them co-MVPs of round 31. What takes do you have about this game, Duke? Well, first of all, shout out to Kotsar because he had an amazing game. But like you said, uh, a high-scoring game. It, it was expected between these two teams, and it didn't disappoint. I mean, Basconia, as the favorites for this game, they did their job getting the win, but it, it certainly wasn't easy. And they needed only in the second half where they're able to take control of the game, because Alba had a lot of guys showing up and playing well. And yeah, Basconia really had to work to get this win. Um, they struggled from three, uh, which is not. A usual thing for them they are a very good shooting team but they struggled this game so they were very smart trying to get to the line draw falls to to be able to to match as much as possible uh, alba's shooting abilities and their scoring so they shot i think they shot 30 free throws and scored 24 so i think that was key to to keep up with alba's performance and then like you know uh, I was a big fan of Pierre and Henry with this team. And when he got uh, suspended and he's not playing with them anymore, uh, I was really sad because I thought that would hurt Basconia a lot. And it kind of did at first. But then Darius Thompson, man, he just took on a, a whole different level. I mean, he had another another double-double here. And he just continues to, amazing, to amaze me this rookie, his rookie season. He's leading the league in assists by a, a wide margin and... Man, shout out to him. He had a very good game. And Basconia stays alive and maybe they can get in. 
So it's a very good win for them, a very important one. Thompson is absolutely playing as one of the top guards of the Euroleague, and that's not going unnoticed with uh, reports of teams like Real Madrid interested on his services moving forward. Let's see what the future has on the docket for, for him. But uh, for now, he's doing a great uh, job. And as you just pointed out, he's one of the main cogs on the Basconi machine that might take them into the, the playoffs. Let's move on to one of the most expected games of the round. Partizan received and lost to Barcelona 80-89. The MVP of the game was La Provitolo with 25-7. Mirotic had 18-8-1, one steal and one block, while Exxon was the best for the home team with 24-1. After Barcelona coming into the game with high level intensity, Partizan was able to match it up and to step it up and went into halftime ahead 45-44 in a high-scoring first half. Barcelona defensive performance in the third quarter allowing only 13 points was uh, key for them to be able to secure this uh, victory. We are seeing Barcelona, the Barcelona that we ranked as a top contender to to win the EuroLeague, aren't we? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, I think they played a very good game, though, don't get me wrong, but uh, <laughs> I think th this loss is more on partisan than, than it is on Barcelona. Um, they only had five assists and You're not going to beat Barcelona if you don't move the ball, if you don't, if you don't run, if you don't play as a team, and and then then they shot 30% from three. So th those were key factors for them uh, in terms of this game. They forced 14 turnovers for Barcelona while only having three, and they didn't capitalize. So if you if you have those chances to beat a, a very good team, you you have to take them, and. If you don't, you're going to pay for it, and that's what happened. Barcelona shot 60% from three, uh, 11 for 18. I mean, I think they should shoot way more, but still 60%. Uh, it's hard to lose games when you shoot 60% from three. Uh, and then they won the, the rebounding battle. And, of course, the assists, as I mentioned, Partizan only had five. Barcelona had 25. Uh, La Provitla played an amazing game with 25 points and seven assists. Um, I think he complements Sirensky so well because of his shooting ability. And in terms of size, Sirensky can guard a, a bigger guard and La Provitola with the smaller one. Mirotic, obviously, he keeps playing at such a high level. And Partizan was was close uh, in the end of that fourth quarter. But then I think uh, Kevin Ponder stayed way too much time on the bench. And that allowed Barcelona to build a, a double-digit lead. And then Sadoransky hit that dagger three. So it was a good game, uh, but I expected a bit more for Partizan. Uh, Exum, he did everything that he could against his former team, but it wasn't enough. And I really think a big part of this loss was was Punter staying on the bench uh, for a, a, a long time in that fourth quarter, where I feel like they really needed his scoring ability to turn the game around. But that, that didn't happen, so it's a very good win for Barcelona. The thing about Barcelona that... Um... I believe makes us believe that they have the ceiling to win it all, is that this is kind of their floor. They are able to still add levels to this. They are just consistent. They move well the ball in defense. They have the size and they are able to, to present challenges to the other teams. So this was indeed a very good win for Barcelona on the road. Let's move on to another important game where Zalgiris received and beated Monaco 79-70. Parazdaikis was the MVP of the game with 22-5 and two steals. Birutis was a big uh, help 
help on this game for Zalgiris with 10-3 and 1 steal. Jordan Lloyd was the, the best for Monarch with 13-4, 5 and uh, 3 steals. This was a game with way more importance for Zalgiri than Monaco. Although Monaco is fighting for home court advantage, Zalgiris is fighting to, to stay alive. So this was a life or dead uh, game for them. And uh, I would say that they stepped up to the occasion and got this crucial win on the fight for the playoffs. We saw a game of two different halves. A high-scoring first half and a def- defensive-minded second half, where Zalgiris keep finding ways to stay ahead behind the ability to make their shots at a high percentage, shooting 11 from 20 from the three-point line. Late in the game, after Monaco dominating the glass for the first three quarters of the game, they had 28 against 14 rebounds of uh, Zalgiris after three quarters, including 14 offensive rebounds. Zalgiris was able to balance it out in the fourth, securing 11 rebounds, while Monaco had 13, and allowing only one offensive rebound that was key for them in, in the end of the game be able to close this this victory. Monaco struggled from the three-point line, shooting, shooting only three out of 13. And uh, we have seen Zalgiris being able to do that to teams, being aggressive and using their length on the wings to, to switch in some situations and uh, make the life harder from to, to teams that depend on the three-point shot to win games or that that's a big part of what they do in offense. Is this Zalgiris building up some momentum into the playoffs, Diogo? Yeah, for sure. This, uh, this is an amazing win for them. Um, and like we've been talking about, uh, I think they have a good chance of finishing the season very strong and uh, and possibly making the playoffs. But but this is, was such a weird game for Monaco, man. Three for thirteen from three. I mean, they they are one of the best shooting teams in the in the competition, and three for thirteen is not good at all. Uh, and I'm more worried about the the thirteen than the three <laughs> because. When you have Mike James, Jordan Lloyd, El Diokobo, uh, Blossom Game, who is a very good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, uh, you, you have to shoot more. Monaco dominated the glass. Like, I think it was a, a ridiculous difference. Like, Hold on. Yeah, they won the rebounding battle 37-25. So they had way more possessions. The turnover battle was close, but they just didn't create nothing offensively. Uh, like we talked about uh, last episode with Mike, J- Mike James coming back, uh, that offense is very different because he, he has the ball a lot and they played at a slower pace and it was a lot more individual situations and that hurt them a lot. Zagiris was able to stay consistent defensively and then offensively, Brasdekas was unbelievable. He was scoring at will whenever he wanted, however he wanted and Birutis dominated the paint with his length and his size so this is a great win for Zagiris. Very good win. It keeps them alive and it gives them a very good chance of, of getting inside those eight. Yeah, let's see what uh, the last three rounds of the EuroLeague will be dictating uh, for the future of Zagiris in this edition of the EuroLeague. Let's go back to Serbia, where Red Star received and crushed Valencia playoff dreams by beating them 92-73. Petrushev was the MVP of the game with 27, one steal and one block. Campazzo had 15 points, two rebounds, seven assists and three steals, while Chris Jones was the, the best for Valencia with 12 to five and two steals. After being down six points, Valencia was able to end up the, the first quarter ahead, 2021. But Red Star ball pressure caused the 
a lot of troubles to Valencia. They end up the game with 19 turnovers. And that was a key for Red Star to keep building their lead quarter after quarter in the last 30 minutes of the game. Red Star keeps showing a great offensive firepower in the late stages of the season. For Valencia, this probably means the, the end of the playoff dream. What were the keys here for Red Star to have this dominant win, Dio? Well, uh, this game could have been very tricky for them because without Nerovic, the it could have been a tough game for them to match uh, Valencia's ability to shoot and to score. But playing at home, they, they performed at a very high level. And the key for me was forcing 19 turnovers and pushing the pace, which for me is always the key for Red Star, uh, especially at home. Uh, when they, when you have guards like uh, Campazzo and Vildoza and obviously Nerovic, but he didn't play this game, uh, you have to push the pace. Campazzo, he, he makes the right plays, he makes the right decisions. So And that, the Argentinian guard duo had seven assists each. And I think that was a, a big contribution for, for this win. And then Petrosev took advantage of it with 20 points. Uh, I think Red Star at home with Campazzo is a, such an elite team. But they just can't seem to be consistent uh, on this level of playing defense and then pushing the pace, especially on the road. But it was too late for both of these teams, so it's kind of irrelevant. But it's a very good win still because Valencia is a, a good team, and especially shooting the ball. And without their best score, the Red Star was able to, to keep it up and they blew out Valencia, which I did not expect at all. So this is a very good win for them. I think that makes these games interesting. It's that these teams are also fighting for an invite for the next uh, edition of the EuroLeague. And yeah. um, they always want to show up and to have good performances. So in that sense, this was a good game for Red Star. But uh, I agree with you. It's too late for both of these teams to aim to make it into the playoffs of this edition of the EuroLeague. No, it's just about having good performances the rest of the way. Let's move on to another game where or to another blowout where Olympiacos won 81-55 as well. The MVP of the game was Thomas Walkup with 11 points, 2 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals. McKinsky had 11 points, 1 rebound, 2 assists and 3 steals, while Tyus was the best for the visitors with 10, 6, 1 steal and 1 block. This wasn't a great basketball game, let's be honest here. Olympiacos' high-level defense was their anchor to dominate this game in the night that they weren't making their open shots. They shot 23% from 3, shooting 6 out of 25. They allowed only 55 points from Aswell locking this win and more importantly securing home court advantage. They were the first team achieving that on this edition of the EuroLeague. For me the highlight of this game came after the game where in a chat between Tarek Black and Yves Pound where he, the veteran was recognizing the potential of the upcoming player and uh, telling him that he belongs to the EuroLeague. Besides Olympiacos securing home court advantage, what do you take away from this game, Duke? I mean, yeah, like you said, uh, <laughs> there, there's not much to say here. I mean, it's the best team in the league against the worst team in the league. Uh, the blowout was expected, uh, at least for me. And even on a terrible shooting night for Olympiacos, like you mentioned, they still scored 81 points. And But yeah, the, the defense was the key for sure. They dominated the glass and they forced tur uh, 15 turnovers. And they only allowed 55, which is it's hard to do in today's game. So, yeah, other than this, there's not much to say. Uh, Walker played uh, a pretty decent game, but I think both teams played bad and the difference is still a 26-point game. So it just goes to show the there's levels to this. But, yeah, it wasn't a great basketball game at all. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't remember the last time we could say that Walcott didn't play a good basketball game for this Olympiacos team this season. He has been incredible. And uh, <laughs> I think that the only thing that is happening in the end of this season is that uh, Alva's stock is going up. They are performing at a good level and being quite of an interesting team to watch, while Asphalt's stock is going down. And if we were to redo our power rankings, I probably will have Asphalt in last place and Alba ahead of them and maybe not even in the same tier at this moment, taking into account how the teams are playing. But uh, let's end this episode with the game between Real Madrid and Fenerbahce. This was a highly expected game, but Real Madrid was able to dominate it and got a 15-point win with 90-75. The MVP of the game was Musa with 16-2-1. Deck had 6-8-5 and 2 steals. And uh, Nigel Hayes-Davis, again, was the best for Fenerbahce with 17 points, 5 rebounds and 1 assist. This was a dominant team performance by Real Madrid, winning all the fourth quarters after Olympiacos locking the home court advantage Real Madrid was the second team doing so with this win in this edition of the EuroLeague Fenerbahce wasn't able to find defensive solutions for Real Madrid ball movement with the home team ending the game with 27 assists. Real is stepping up and in the lack of a second guard to play alongside Musa they they are putting really big lineups out there for extended periods of time, making the life really hard at the basket for their opponents and moving the the ball extremely well and finding good baskets on offense. They have shown that they are able to close games. On the other hand, things are not looking so good for Fenerbahce. Bielitsa looks like a shadow of himself. It's hard to see him contributing at the highest level we could expect from him for this season. Will begin being out, uh, it adds to the team's problems and uh, they seem to be a step below to the other top contenders, even if their ceiling is to to win the, the EuroLeague at the moment. I think they are performing at a step below in relation to the, the other top contenders of the, the EuroLeague. They are too dependent on players in the individual actions. They are not moving the ball as much as we would expect. And uh, they are stru- struggling to, to be able to, to put uh, pressure on opposite basket. They ended this game with only 12 assists, showing that uh, they are struggling to be able to, to move the ball and find easy baskets for, for the team. What are your thoughts about this game and uh, about these two teams' future in the postseason? Yeah, for Real Madrid, uh, obviously this is a great win. This is probably the most expected match in this round. Um, I think Real Madrid is a legit title contender. Uh, I picked Barcelona, but probably Real Madrid is even better. Uh, just the fact that they have Walter Tabars in the middle, and then guys like Musa and Azonia, they, they just have so many options. Like it, It's ridiculous. Uh, for Fenerbahce, I mean, it's getting kind of scary for them, because their offensive struggles, obviously without Wilbekin, we expected some decline, but not this much. I mean, Nigel Hayes-Davis has consistently been their best offensive player. So I think that says something because he's obviously known as a defensive player. But on this game specifically, I mean, Real took advantage of Fenerbahce's struggles. Um, they had 10 players scoring. And so they just had too many options to throw at Fenerbahce. And like I mentioned, without Wilbekin and without Pierre, uh, they couldn't find any offensive solutions. So they are now t- tied with Maccabi in that fifth and sixth seed. So things could be looking very bad for them going forward. Uh, like if you asked me like a month ago and we discussed this, uh, we, we had Fenerbahce as probably a top two, top three roster in EuroLeague. 
and we most of us had had them in the final four. Uh, if you ask me right now, do they make the final four? I can't say yes, because they have been performing at a very low level, uh, especially for their standards. So uh, I just don't see it happening. I'm very disappointed. But regardless, it was a very good win for Real Madrid. But Fenerbahce really needs to to get to get it together, and they need Wilbekin back. I mean, he clearly they clearly miss him. Real Madrid and Barcelona are this moment the two top contenders, I, I think, for the the postseason. And Fenerbahce is indeed uh, struggling. I still think that uh, with the likelihood of them finishing in fifth, I think they have a good chance against Monaco. And I think that I will still have them in the final four. But they, their path is not easy, and I will then favor them to to win, especially with Bielitsa showing that they will, he won't be able to contribute at the highest level. But uh, for sure, it's something that we will be keep tracking on this podcast. So make sure you stay with us and keep listening to us. This was another European Hoops episode. Make sure you tune in Monday when we will be recapping the round 32 of the EuroLeague. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos EuroLeague where we bring you any news that break about the competition, must-watch games, injury reports and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition bringing you all the highlights of the action. My name is Andre and I'll be seeing you guys soon. Bye guys. See you on next episode. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.